facing the transition out of the military is rarely easy. It doesn't help that the staggering number of options you faced can be overwhelming, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel for all veterans, and that light shines brightest in Indiana. And this isn't me just talking out of my ass. I actually went, I lived in Indiana. I went to Indiana University for quite a while, and I made a great friend named Blaine. Blaine currently works in an organization called InVets. And what InVets does is their whole purpose in life is to bring veterans to Indiana and place them in high-paying jobs. There are over 80,000 current job openings in Indiana. That's a huge number. And, you know, if when, when you're ready to start looking at opportunities, just go ahead and go to uh, www.invets.org. That's I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Create a profile. You should be contacted by a veteran engagement team shortly. Uh, Blaine's a great guy. He's a really good friend of mine. Blaine served in Zari, which is just north of Panjway. So for all intents and purposes, this is from one Panjway vet to another. He wants to get you a job. So if you're struggling and you're looking for something and you're willing to relocate to the great state of Indiana, go ahead and check out invets.org. On this episode of the Panjway podcast, we welcome Miguel Perez, aka Juan Rambo, to the show. Miguel is a former 11 Bravo and Purple Heart recipient, and today he talks to us about his injury and finally closes the book on the mystery of the Cursed Boots. Episode 7 of the Panjway Podcast starts now. Miguel, I've heard you. I've heard you become quite the banjo aficionado. Oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So at first, you know, I was gonna get a guitar, but uh-huh. then I was like, I I saw uh I heard a couple fucking bluegrass songs. I was like, oh, that's just fucking pretty pretty snazzy. Yeah. And then uh I saw uh Steve Martin do a stand up with the banjo. I was <laughs> like, oh, that's fucking badass. <laughs> Like back in the seventies, you know, yeah, younger Steve Martin. Who's He's got a solid uh, bluegrass band, actually. I think they're called like the Steep Canyon Rangers or something like that. You check oh, them really? out if you've been listening to some bluegrass. Yeah, they're all right, actually. They do they do a pretty solid set for sure. Well, to our listeners, we are here in Alaska with the one, the only, the infamous Juan Rambo, aka <laughs> Miguel Perez. Um, Miguel kind of like hijacked his way onto uh, onto onto the podcast this weekend. We were, of course, <laughs> we were going to have him on anyway, but uh, he uh, he came up here with Eric Clark. So we're like, what better time than now? So come on up. We'll do it now and um, give us a good test of our in person recording studio, which we've not really had a whole lot of opportunity to use use yet. We've made some upgrades, and I think it's uh, so far it's working out pretty well. So cool. How? Uh, <clears throat> How you like in Alaska so far? It's nice, dude. Uh, snow, okay, uh, but it's pretty cool. You know, it's already dark. You know, the sunset. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Didn't even notice it. You know, the cloud cover, but that's that was pretty wild. Yeah, because I mean, it's it's like four p.m. now. I mean, it is, it is dark. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's. It's Alaska. Your, brief, your window, your brief window of what three or four hours to work with, even that. Yeah, I mean, because the sun really comes up around like 10.30, and then it's on its way down by 2.30. But after tomorrow, the days get longer, so... Yeah, we were almost at the solstice, so we're about to make that turning point. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, pretty stoked about that. But um, anyway, yep, M- Miguel was a primarily he was a saw gunner in uh, third squad, first platoon, Bravo Company one six four with us. Um, and Perez had pretty uh, pretty eventful deployment. But before we get to that, we want to give you a chance to just kind of tell us, you know, how you ended up joining the army and why you chose the infantry and. <laughs> Already, uh, so you know, figured the army was a good stepping point to you know, if I enjoyed it, stay in. If not, you know, everyone wants to hire a vet. You know, I thought you know, give me a good opportunity, set my foot into. Originally, I wanted to do border patrol, but that probably wasn't going to work. <laughs> uh, so, but uh, you know, I felt like that was a good opportunity. You know. Getting out of uh, California, uh, give me some something to do. You know, I still don't know what to do, so figured that was a a good good thing to maybe find out what I liked, uh, sure. test myself, <clears throat> or what you don't like, which is equally important to learn. Yeah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, infantry. If I mean, I figured you're going to join the military, you might as well join infantry. Uh, yeah, you're going to join the army. Go. I, I, that's what I thought. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, did you did you fully understand what infantry did? Yes. Did, like the recruiter show you like the the, the video or whatever. Or? Oh, bef- before that, I started uh, watching like the military channel, uh-huh. <laughs> and you know the the mail call with fucking Gunny. Gunny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was all into you know watching that shit. Uh, so I I knew what what infantry was. Okay. You know, so I didn't go in blind like oh. So yeah. you weren't really super surprised when you showed up to basic training and it yeah. was what it was. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I asked for, for infantry, yeah. And you showed up at the unit not not very long before I did. Was it like January? I sh- I got to third ID while they were on block leave for Christmas. Okay. So I got to to the reception center and I spent uh, Christmas at third ID and then I met them all in January. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's when you got down to the unit. Yeah, that's when so you be yeah. there by. So you went to yeah. NTC with us then, right? Yeah, yeah, I was that's what NTC. I thought because you were there. We had that very brief little training exercise before NTC. That was just two or three days. Yeah, the uh, the walk back you, on the sand. Yeah, 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 yeah. We walked that like it was. This is not an the exaggeration. Tank it was like thirty miles <laughs> of those. I thought uh, it was more sandy, like twenty-two tank trail i think it was supposed to be 22 it was it, it was on paper it was 22 but in kitchen's math i think it ended up being a little bit more we need to ask him about that actually because that was a smoker for baby tankers and you know mechanized infantry yeah but i just remember walking those sandy roads man that was misery yeah as soon as we hit the the hardball just popping yeah for sure there's left and right it's <laughs> <laughs> like oh that's what I was thinking. Yeah, it was good. We we got uh, back from leave, and there was this brand new private. When did you get word that you were going to uh, Afghanistan? I don't know, actually. I think I heard something about it while I was in the reception center. Mm-hmm. And then when I got sent to uh, 164, they were like, oh, this unit's deploying soon. I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And... Then when I got to Bravo, that's when, you know, like yeah. in NTC is when they when they sat us down at the tent and told mm-hmm. us like, yeah, IEDs everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, that's that's when, you know, everyone knew like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we've talked about real. that yeah. moment a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was a it was an eye opener for everybody for sure. And for I feel like for, for you, man, as a brand new private, it had to be just like, oh shit, like I'm actually gonna be getting in the thick of it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I almost didn't make it a third ID. I it was only a like so I semi fractured my hip in basic training and I stayed doing the therapy there, the FTU thing. Mm-hmm. And then uh got back into a basic training cycle and finished it up in December. I forgot about that. Yeah, so I was I was originally from... gonna be sent to Germany, but then that happened and you know, I got really? some third ID. Needs of the army, third ID. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot I about like, that. Because didn't you have to do an extra two or three weeks of basic training on top of the normal 16? Wasn't it? Didn't it end up being like 18 or 19 weeks for you? I was there for a minute because uh, I had to do uh, therapy. So they, yeah. they had to take me to like the, where the, like the, imp, they in process all the, all the dudes. And I was in that bus that people would, Ride in sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those those weird kids that would like have crutches sometimes. Yeah, I was one of those dudes. Yeah. Yeah, basic training. Yeah. So you were stuck at Fort Benning for a minute and then you yeah, got for, to us. Because I, yeah. I remember you talking about that and I was like, man, that sucks. Because <laughs> 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 you were there for like almost six months or something crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I got there in May and I left in December. Ugh. Yeah, that's miserable. Yeah. But eh, it is what it is. Yeah, I sort of I looked out though. Got to third ID. Got to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we'd like to try to kind of jump straight into your story. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of kind of the meat of your story. Sweet. Um, and to kind of set the stage for uh, our listeners and our watchers, we're gonna kind of start at the beginning of what we heard and what had gone down and what we had heard was it was like i think it was the day before we went on that mission was that there was a new york times article and a new york times article had come out about sparewan and panjway and the um the article said that the taliban had murdered a young boy cut his head off and buried his body in a in a marijuana field um, ditched the body really i think was what ditched the body yeah, yeah. Ditched and the body, yeah. i don't remember all the details and i tried to look for the article and i couldn't find it again i think maybe it's one of those things where they kind of like put that behind the paywall and it's not so easy to find anymore mm-hmm. um but they were it was it was a new york times article it was big news and it came down to us and then the night before they're like yeah you gotta go looking for it we're like nothing about this sounds suspicious at all <laughs> 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 i mean Luke, I mean, am I missing anything on that one in terms no. of recollections of the setup? I mean, it wasn't super detailed, but no. we did have enough time to find the article before we went out. Yeah. Well, that's what was that was, what was so um, befuddling about it is that we were like, are we seriously going on a patrol based on a news article, uh, you know, that was written <laughs> 4,000, 8,000 miles away, however far New York is from Panjway. Right. And, it's you know, we, we obviously realized that it stunk, especially when they basically had to tell us to go to, I think, Big Reggae and start mm-hmm. asking around about this kid because we didn't even know what marijuana field his body yeah. had supposedly been dumped in. You know? right. They just said a village near Spurwan. Well, and I remember now it's starting to come back to me. There, the article did say that he was killed and dumped, but it also said 
that his body had been recovered and buried in Zari. Oh, so like yeah, the article also said now. he wasn't there anymore. Yeah. So like that when so we got the warno for the mission, we're like, this is weird. And we read the article, like we're like, sir, like the same article that it says it's not there. Yeah. It says he got buried. And, and we're still like, had nope, to go out. Still had to go out. <laughs> um, and I think the reason we had to go out is because they were probably undoubtedly getting pressure from higher up. Yeah. And I think what's unique about this position or this um this day is that it's it's a it's a shining example of the direct interaction of people interjecting into mm-hmm. something that they either don't understand or they have no business like trying to perform or carry out, you know. Yeah. And so like when you have these overwhelming outside forces that try to dictate what you do in the day-to-day on the ground, it just doesn't work cuz there's so many levels of disconnect. So whoever was on the horn with Kitching telling him to get us out there and push us in around and start trying to find this kid uh, and the reason this kid was supposedly so important, because if he'd been an average Ad- Afghan kid, nobody would have cared. But he was the son of uh, one of like the ALP commanders or a district politician a or uncle. something. Something uh, like that. I, I, yeah, something. I, don't, I don't remember that part. Yeah, his like, uncle was some kind yeah. of big wig in the area. Oh, I think, yeah, I think I do remember that. Like his uncle was like a police officer or something like, like that. Like an ALP captain or yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, now it's coming back. So that's why um, this kid had been snatched up. Yeah, I think, yeah, man, and like I said, man, it just shows that when something makes something as trivial as a daily headline, how much of it can impact people's lives directly. So if you're in the business of, you know, if you're uh, in the business of journalism or media, you know, be the responsible thing and just make sure that, you know, try your best to alleviate that because, you know, your 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 actions can have direct and unresounding effect on a group of people far, far away and many degrees removed because of, you know, political pressures or because of any kind of outside source that maybe you can't account for fully, but you can maybe try to account for and alleviate for sure. Yeah. I mean, and you know, the higher command, you know, RC South, wherever, wherever it came from, they, they share a little bit of burden too, because Mm -hmm. if you, if you're going to do that knee jerk reaction, we're just going to send a whole bunch of Joes out to an area because there was a news article you know, like we might we'd like to joke about the education of the Taliban, but they read too. Like they knew, they knew we were going to be out there mm-hmm. looking for that kid. Um, so to like the next day send us out on a blatant response to that thing, like probably not the way to go. Maybe send us out in the middle of the night. Let us look for it in the night, or you know, mm-hmm. task one of the hundreds of helicopters or you know UAS in the area to look for it before you send us out there. Give us something to actually zero in on. Not just, well, let's walk through marijuana fields and see if we find a kid. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many hundreds of acres of marijuana fields could we stomp through? That's one thing that we were all perplexed by. I was like, how are we supposed to find him to begin with? So, yeah. I yeah. think we finally got word to go to Big Red Gate and start asking around, mm-hmm. um, was how that panned out. So, we, I remember we spun up, we ran down to Big Red Gate. Um, we actually had the female engagement team with us. We did. Yeah, it was one yeah, of the few so. times they actually went out with us. Yeah, and so we, uh, I remember, I, was, I think I kind of got like half-assed tasked with, you know, staying near them and helping provide security for them and stuff. Right. And I remember we uh, we got in there, we started kicking around, asking all these people about this kid, and that's when it starts to get really fishy. Yeah. <laughs> because it went from being like, 
we're looking for a general area to like, oh yeah, he he's in that field right over there. Yeah, just north of here. Yeah, just north of here. And so for people who have been listening, we've talked about this like cluster of villages in the middle of the AO to the east that was just like Taliban stronghold. And then there's a big open ground of what you think, guys, 400 meters? Yeah, you're talking about between Reggae and like Salam Khan or Sahidan yeah. and stuff? Yeah. 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 So there's this big stretch of open ground. And then there's the beginning of that cluster of villages that was more or less the Taliban's home country. And so I can't remember exactly how the word came down that we were going to start pushing north because they claimed the kid was in that marijuana field that was at the south end of Salam Khan. Well, and all, uh, there were also two conflicting stories. Like the village elders of Reggae, um, who traditionally have been very friendly. You know, we always had a warm welcome in Reggae. They were always very helpful. They're like, there's no kid. Like, we've not heard of this. We have no idea what you're talking yes. about. But then now. I don't know who they talked to. Some guy was like, yeah, it's like over there in that field or in those general fields. Um, and, you know, we probably should ask, give phone Matt Kohler in at some point and be like, hey, man, how did we end up going north? Because, I mean, he was he was the PL. Mm-hmm. So he, he would know why we chose that particular field. But um, like you said, it was super fishy because we looked at that field. We're like the the field surrounded on three sides by compounds and walls. Mm-hmm. Like that it one? reeked of ambush. <laughs> yeah. And actually, when they, when they got word down to us to start pushing across that field, I remember turning to the FET team. And, um, you know, and this is no... I'm not, I'm not throwing shade on these, these girls. Like one of them was a civilian. She wasn't even armed, you know? And then the mm-hmm. other one, I think it's just like an MP who was tasked with being security for this Scottish chick who spoke pastor, who was the civilian, or maybe she mm-hmm. was British army, but in civilian clothes. I don't know. I'm not sure, but not she never sure, carried yeah. a firearm. Yeah. So I was remember looking at them and telling them like, Hey, it's like, when we like, we're going to take contact. So like, get ready. And they both got really wide-eyed. <laughs> and uh, the, I think for them it kind of sunk in because I was, you know, telling them, like, you know, it's about to go down because we just, we just knew what was happening. Because this is uh, far enough into the point where we started to have that intuitive sixth I mean, sense Walking north, you things. could see the dudes, like, on top of the compounds, like, with their radios. Like, they're yeah. for sure watching us. Oh, yeah. They're like, yep. oh, yep, here they come. Yep. Yeah. So, so you where were you start... in the formation? Yeah, tell, I us, was... tell us your side of this. I might be remembering this completely wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember that uh, there was whoever it was. It was, a, I think, either Pfeiffer. Someone was clearing. Someone was clearing. Then uh, Evans. Then myself. And But there was, I don't know if there was Afghanis in front of us. So I, I was know. in front of you. So you were clearing? I don't know if I was clearing or not. So what I remember about where you were, it was it was me. Behind me was Robertson Tallman. Um, and then you were behind them. Oh, I'm remembering this all wrong. I thought it was in the front. You were. It was, was the front. It oh. was the front element, but they were in front of you. And then maybe maybe I, I must have been clearing. I had to. I, well, yeah, I was clearing. Yeah, I was clearing. Uh, so, yeah, it was them, and they were behind me. And you were not too far back behind behind them. Yeah. Um. But like, uh, what was your kind of your recollection of our time in Big Reggae before we we stepped off? So, you know, me being a private, they just tell me pull security while they do whatever they're gonna do in the Shura. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, whatever, and I'm just there to fucking pull security, do what I'm gonna do. And they're like, all right, we're gonna go up north to this fucking marijuana field. And I'm like, okay, 
We're walking up. And as soon as we're walking up, that's when, you know, I'm seeing these dudes on top of the compound looking at us yeah. on their walkie-talkies or whatever. And you were calling that out, too, weren't you? Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, we're going to get ambushed. And I was like, oh, whatever. So, you know, I was just preparing myself. We're about to take contact. Just be ready. Uh, and I remember someone calling out some dude with some, like, light blue pajamas, like, on the uh, corner of a building. And I look at him. He does this whole comes out, comes back in. I'm like, all right, so just be aware of this guy. And I step into the marijuana field. And as soon as I, like, go, like, maybe three feet in, that's when we take contact. And that's when I just turn left, try to engage, and boop. <laughs> Did you get any rounds off? No. No. So, like, I, we took... I, I, we took contact. I put the weapon on fire as I was turning. Uh-huh. And I was going to do a fucking... Uh, <laughs> suppression from the hip. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was going to hip fire the saw. Uh, and as soon as I turned left, I hit the safety. And that's... Yeah. That's, as I was turning left, I hit the safety and that's it. Yeah. And I was like... I was standing there. And I was like, why am I not firing? You know? Yeah. It didn't click. Right. Now, which mm. arm... So, you got shot in the arm. Yeah. Which arm was it? My right arm. I got shot in the right arm. Okay. Just above the elbow on the bicep. Okay. So that's why you weren't able to pull the trigger. Yeah. So like it <laughs> shattered a, yeah. it, it shattered the, yeah. the bone and just, yeah. So you, so you hadn't even realized you'd been hit then until you looked down. Yeah. So like we were still getting shot at and, you know, I'm like, what the hell? And I'm, it must have been like two seconds where I like mm-hmm. looked down. But to me, it felt like a minute had passed by. Mm-hmm. And I look down, and I see my my hand. I'm like, move your thumb, and nothing's happening. And I'm like, what the hell? And I look up, and it's just you know, little splotches on my uh, that uh, tight Army combat, combat shirt. shirt. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the hell? And I'm like, holy shit, they fucking shot me. <laughs> 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 I, that was my that was my greatest recollection of that. Is I heard from he was like, holy shit. I can't believe they actually shot me. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, like, you were more incredulous just, yeah, than anything. Yeah, I was like, I couldn't believe it. Because, yeah. you know, I felt the round, but adrenaline's pumping. I thought there was a kid throwing rocks at us. I'm like, why is this kid throwing rocks in the middle of a fucking firefight? Yeah. You know? Because, yeah. you know, the kids would do that sometimes at the at the Mavis. And I was like, what the hell? And, yeah, it was. I ended up getting shot. Didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think... Tom was pretty close to you, yeah, because uh, he was he he was the first responder, right? Yeah, as soon as uh that happened, uh you know I was doing my bitching. Uh, Sergeant Ott told me to get down, and I was like, oh, that's probably smart. So I got down on the prone in my back actually, and Evans was right in, right near me, and he came at me, and then Todd ran from the back somewhere. Yes, yeah, so I think so this was probably his first one of his first missions. Yeah, out. I think yeah. I got him his CMB. Nice. Uh. So uh, yeah, Evans and Todd were right there next to me. Like, yeah, doing mm-hmm. doing that thing. They they put the splint. They mm-hmm. did the whole whatever they did. I I don't know. I mean, at at that point, did it hurt, or were you still in like shock, or uh, adrenaline still pumping? So yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm just, I think I'm probably cursing around. Probably you were, uh, yeah, uh, a little bit. I don't remember what I was saying, but uh, I remember asking Sergeant Knott if I could stay in the army. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that clearly. 
<laughs> and oh, dude, I was so you know motivated. Yeah, you know. Uh, I don't remember what his what was his response to you. He was like, remember. yeah, yeah, just get just the fuck get down out of here, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you'll be. We'll worry about that later. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, they 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 packed me up. Uh, they called in the trucks because I think the the Matt B's were still at a uh, reggae at reggae. Yeah. So I think that's when the trucks pulled up, and I got into the truck with Nagurn was driving and Wilkins was a gunner. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I remember holding uh Wilkins hand and he was, you know, put his hand down and I was just fucking apparently I was squeezing his hand really tight. But, yeah. Uh so at that point you probably it started yeah. starting to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Well the what hurt the most was the tourniquet. Oh yeah. 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 I had no idea what was hurting. I was like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And you know, it was the tourniquet. Yeah. Mm. It that that hurt the most. It hurt more than the gunshot. Yeah. Until I got to the bird. Right. Yeah. yeah. Did you get you a morphine so, lollipop? Yeah, they gave me a fentanyl. Doc gave yeah. me a fentanyl pop. And, you know, I, I was, you know, chewing the shit out of it, uh, mm-hmm. sucking the hell out of that thing. And it was gone by the time I got into the cop. Like, yeah. I must have, like, went at it with that thing. Oh, man. Like, uh, you- yeah, because that tourniquet, <laughs> dude, that tourniquet fucking hurts. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, you, at least you know they did a good job on you. Then. Yeah, they got you yeah. wrapped up pretty tight yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that Sam splint that they put kept it in in line and whatever. Now that how was that drive back to the cop with a shattered it was, arm? It was pretty bumpy, uh, yeah. and I, hmm. I think that's why I was holding a squeezing yeah. the shit out of Wilkins' hand. And uh, but I mean, Nagurin got me got me there pretty quick. I'll, I'll give him that. Yeah, uh, he he got me there pretty quick. So yeah, uh, you guys they hauled ass, man. Yeah, and uh. Yeah, I get to the aid station, and I think I walk. I don't know. I I might have walked in. I don't remember. Yeah, uh, that's the fentanyl lollipop talking. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I get down on the on the you know the little fucking bench that they have, that's mm-hmm. the the desk or whatever. And you know, Doc Rudy and Salvador, uh, they're all around me, you know, doing their thing. And in comes Sergeant Column and Captain Kitching. Uh, first Sergeant Column, Captain Kitching. <laughs> and I remember the first thing Captain Kitching asks is, where's his nods? Where's his uh, sensitive items? And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and, uh, uh, but uh, first on column comes in, so, you know, starts shooting the shit. Like, oh, you know, starts cracking jokes, and you know, I'm like, all right, whatever. And uh, yeah, I don't know what the hell. Someone said something about where's his saw, and someone, I, oh, I had yeah. just watched uh, Dirty Dancing, <laughs> and here comes one of the most famous lines the whole deployment. <laughs> I just watched Dirty Dancing, and. Uh, Decided to fucking call my saw my baby. I was like, oh, that's my baby right there. Because you know you got to baby the fucking saw or else it, it's not going to work. Yeah, uh, it's true. And uh, so, you know, when they when they asked, where's his saw? Someone said, it was right there in that corner. And I was like, no one puts baby in the corner. <laughs> and dude, I was... Oh man, I don't know why the hell I said that. I was probably high as fuck on the fentanyl pop, you know. But yeah. uh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't believe you had the wherewithal about you to uh, 
crank out such a great stellar one-liner while you're sitting there with the, <laughs> with the bullet having passed through your arm waiting on a medevac. That's really <laughs> good. Yeah. But yeah, they, they, they call in the bird. Uh, they carried me with the litter to the bird. And then uh, that's when I got Casavac or Medivac mm. uh, out of uh, Comp Spurringor. So, I mean, I mean, since it was just your arm, they didn't put you under anything, right? I mean, you were pretty conscious for the whole flight, like when you got to Kandahar. Uh, I kept bitching about my arm. Yeah. The tourniquet. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? And uh, I guess they gave me something because I remember waking up when we landed in CAF. And uh, uh, everyone, all the doctors were like, oh, you're lucky you still have your arm. And, you know, I thought, you know, they were just joking. I was like, oh, you know, they're trying to make light, make it light, you know, make a joke. I'm like, all right, whatever. And, yeah, apparently, yeah, that that was a thing. I could have lost my shit. (laughs) Well, I remember uh, Tom telling us, he's like, Perez might lose his arm. We're like, what? (laughs) We got shot in the arm. He's like, yeah, but it, like shattered the bone he said it was he said it was barely hanging on yeah it looked, it looked it was like the perfect shot it hit the bone it yeah just disabled my arm for that firefight <laughs> mm. crazy man so <clears throat> one of the things that was crazy about that day is that uh you know obviously it already started off really poorly you know uh we were in the back we were in a wide open uh, when you guys got hit, I, they, I don't think they even knew we were back there or they were just too honed in on you guys because you were so much closer. So I remember hitting the dirt and there was probably like 100 meters of just pure open ground to the marijuana field. And so I was uh, not happy about that, but then it came up like, oh, Perez is hit. I kind of worked its way down the line. and But then I saw you kind of walk out. and we, By the time we got up to the marijuana field, like the trucks were pulling up and stuff, mm-hmm. we put you on the... On the uh, truck we put the fat team on the truck and then we hung around for a while and we ended up getting into a pretty doozy of a firefight man like it Did turned you? into a long drawn out day uh yeah because we, we went chasing after that dude we yeah. We, yeah. we chased that dude from compound to compound um and i believe we got him we did um, yeah we we finally ch- tracked him to the right bomb compound but even getting to that compound was quite a it was quite a quite, quite a hassle because we were in that marijuana field. And it was like like a three way ambush. Yeah, we're like, well, now we how we get there, and so we start walking um, west to, or east to west, just to south of those compounds, looking for a way to get up there. And we like we look down this road, and there's just like rock formations, like super narrow road choke points, and I'm like, nope, not that way. <laughs> um, and so we kept looking. We finally found a way to get into a compound. Um, through a wall, like busted Knock a wall down, down with yeah. the the Huli tool and busted into that compound. But then we had to like hop to another compound, um, and that was the one where we found the guy. And so we had we had teams in both of those compounds at one point when the initial firefight yeah. really kicked off. And because yeah, after that initial ambush, we didn't really start fighting again until we were settled into that compound and we had grabbed that dude up, I think, if my memory yeah. serves me correctly. Yeah, because we had him and we were strong pointing the compound. We had A&A in there. And I think uh, we had some, I think one of the other team was in the other compound. Um, well, we, we were, were outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were outside on that wall 
uh, kind of looking up to the north, and that's yes. when they really the, the the firing started picking up, and then that's mm-hmm. when the RPGs yep. uh, came out. And they, then, they fired a recoil status that day. The, oh yeah, I remember that very well because yeah. uh, I was uh, I was posted up on this wall, suppressing a, a gray putt and trying to talk. Somebody was on. I think it was Roberts actually because it was probably his first firefight. Yeah, that was because yeah, Evan Tallman just got there. I was trying to get Roberts to open up with a saw on that on this gray putt, and all of a sudden I hear this this like it was different. It wasn't like an RPG. You know, it wasn't that slice and boom kind of effect that you get from the rpg it was like this low grumbling like uh yeah. tearing of a thick stack of paper sound and i looked directly over my head and maybe i want to say probably 10 feet above my head was this hot ball of white and that was so hot it was literally leaving a vapor trail and it <laughs> soared over my head and hitting the field behind us uh, closer yeah. to the trucks and I remember, you know, just kept firing or whatever. But I looked up at that thing, and I was like, "That that wasn't an RPG." <laughs> yeah. At first, I thought, "Oh shit, RPG!" And then I was like, "Well, that was no way that was an RPG." Turns out, yeah. it was a fucking recoilless rifle. That recoilless yeah. rifle that was floating around in fucking Padua. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. And that was, you know, that went on for a while. Um, yeah, I didn't actually participate in that firefight. I just sat in the compound because we had just tons of dudes on the walls. A and A were mm-hmm. like, that was probably they the most I've ever fought the A and A fight. They they A and A was in a fight. They were super motivated. They were launching RPGs left and right. Fuck they yeah. had like their saws up on the wall and just like laying waste. It was actually kind of impressive to watch. That was yeah, their firefight. Yeah. Really, they did good work, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> credit where credit credit where credit is due. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, after that kind of died down, we got, you know, birds on station, did, did whatever. And um, we did, a, we toyed with the idea of continuing to chase after him, but we realized, like, super bad IED belt up ahead. We're like, yeah. we've already, yeah, you were near. We've already had a casualty today. And, yeah. um, you know, I think it was by that point, they're like, okay, like, we're being baited in and we're not going to let them yeah. bait us into a, a complex ambush. We're going to, yeah call this a day so I don't, I don't know if that was the actual decision making process but that's what it seemed like to me that... yeah <laughs> well my uh, so after you basically had told them to pack sand on clearing i got mm-hmm. handed the freaking mine hound and somebody and they tried to push me and i remember hopping a wall into a grape field there was a grape putt that we were trying to push to and that kind of frog marching our way up these compounds and it just reeked of id and i yeah. i uh i told someone you know i was like i'm just i'm not gonna do it (laughs) just blatantly refused orders essentially yeah and i just told him i was like man i'm not i'm not gonna do it like this is we don't need to do this that there's ieds everywhere in this area and we've already gotten to a good fight today and i just wasn't gonna do it because we were all thinking of perez too you know right right so it was in the back of our minds the whole time i was like fuck we've already perez has already got hit and well we you know we've gotten to a good uh firefight with these cats and we're not going to keep fighting the rest of the day all day long, which is what it would have turned into. Yeah, and I'm, I'm thankful for, you know, Tom and yeah. uh, uh, Sarnat. Uh, Sarnat and kind of like the NCOs had, like, their decision-making prevailed and kind of brought yeah. everything back to, to to a little bit of sanity. They were like, hey, you know, to higher leadership, like, hey, we 
we need we need to pull back. This is yeah. we're, we need to set the stage of the battlefield, not the Taliban. And right now they're setting the stage. And yeah. um, also, you know, Tom kind of standing up for you and me when we said, "I will not clear down mm-hmm. that road. Like we can, we can't possibly clear it." Um, yeah. And him being like, "Yeah, like we're going to find another way." It wasn't that we aren't going to go to this objective. We are going to find another way to the objective. Um, mm-hmm. And having that like that really strong NCO, you know, was critical. Yeah. I, I I distinctively remember uh, whenever I took, I, I can't remember what led up to me taking the mine. It was probably you basically telling them the pack sand. Well, no, this, because this was like, I think it was because I was part of the team that was strong pointing the, oh, that's the compound. And you we guys were trying took to off. leapfrog mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's what it was. Yeah. So I remember clearing across that road mm-hmm. and we had actually used, um, uh, line charges to clear our way into the compound that's yeah. right i remember that yeah 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 and that was actually pretty line. gucci i, I yeah, forgot about cool. that yeah, yeah we, we like, were in like a ditch and we like threw the line charge across the road and like against the door and like you know blew it right in front of the doorway and then like uh an individual and i <laughs> just barreled <laughs> into that compound and that's where we found you know blue man dress guy mm-hmm. i forgot about that we bait we essentially explosively breached that door fuck yeah um to to get in there so miguel valiant efforts were made (laughs) to avenge your your right arm thank you (laughs) yeah we did um for sure i mean for you that was that was that was pretty much the end of your deployment yeah um how 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 did you kind of process that that you were going home yeah it sort of sucked you know you guys were still there and I, I honestly thought they just patched me up and sent me back somewhere. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get, at least talk on radios. I could do that. Right. But no, I was, I was sent home. <laughs> uh, for, for good reason. Yeah. I mean, for good uh, reason. Yeah. But got your arm blown off. Yeah. Uh. Uh. So yeah, I get uh to German to Germany. Then from well, I did the whole cap to Bagram, Bagram yeah. to. Germany and to Germany, Germany and to Walter Reed. Uh, no, you didn't go to Walter Reed. You no, went I, to... I was I went to Fort I got dropped off at Andrews Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. And I I remember someone saying that Walter Reed was near there. And I was like, Oh shit. It's just like right next door. I I thought they were like right next to each other. Yeah. But apparently there's like a good like an hour drive or some oh, shit. Okay. And I was so motivated to go see Clark. Yeah. Because I knew mm-hmm. he was at Walter Reed. I was and I you know the in the fucking birds uh landing here they there's like a colonel i think or a major i think it was a major going around fucking asking oh do you need anything i was like yeah can i go see my friend at walter reed <laughs> yeah you know I was, I was like oh i, I want to go see i want to go see him it's like right next door yeah you know i thought you know i thought they were right next to not right next door to each other but no apparently it's like a good hour drive or yeah. some shit because oh, okay. clark had only been wounded just a few days before that yeah, like like a week before. A week before, uh, yeah. And yeah, I was uh I stayed at Andrews for a bit and then they put me on another flight to Georgia and I was taken to Augusta, Georgia at a VA hospital. Okay. In in downtown Augusta. Okay. Yeah. Um I mean, how, how what was the recovery process like for you? You cuz it wasn't simply just a bullet hole. I mean, it, it required significant reconstruction, right? Yeah, uh, they, uh, there's a rod in there, some 
some screws, uh, and they did a bone transfer, or I think that's what it's called. They basically took a piece of my shin and threw it in my hole <laughs> in the in the vacancy. Okay, yeah. and so the bone could like grow faster or something. Okay, they they did mm-hmm. some weird shit. Uh, but yeah, they 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 saved my arm. Yeah. And and you have all your yeah, I you can do everything normal and uh, yeah, I have a limited range of motion. Like this is all I can bend, sure, and that's as far as I can extend. But I still have it. Yeah. It's, and it's there. You know, there like yeah. we, I think we mentioned earlier you're learning to play the banjo. Yes. So <laughs> yeah. it's it's going slowly, but it's re- resounding it, success from the surgeons then, I guess. Eventually Yeah, we'll get for there. sure. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. um but yeah, the 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 therapists at the VA hospital, they were they were awesome. Like and I was I was a dick. <laughs> I was just so angry at the hospital for yeah. for no reason really. Right. And I and I made their their job like worse but would you like to publicly apologize to them yeah i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> the, to the staff at the augusta va i'm sorry for being an asshole <laughs> uh but yeah they 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 did really good shit uh but yeah and how, what was it like to be to be there and going through your recovery i mean because you were in touch with us like via facebook and email yeah, and stuff like yeah, that they, i mean was that was it difficult to be to be home and to see what we were going through or were the, you like really preoccupied with your own therapy? Uh, so the the, you know, I, I I messaged them, you know, you guys back and forth and whatnot, skyped a couple times, and the the only the that throat chop mission where where, yep. where Evans got hit and and all that, uh, someone told me through Facebook they were like, don't you know, don't don't spread it around, but these dudes got fucked up, yeah, and that was tough. Yeah, you know, but they're alive, so yeah, it's all good. Yeah, they are, and you yeah. know, it was uh, it's it's interesting, like the the turn of events that led to you getting hit, and not really led to, but I mean, it was it was like a two and a half week span that was awful. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. like it was Boyce, Clark, and then you rapid fire. Yeah, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I mean, and I think that kind of set the stage for the rest of the platoon to be like, including platoon leadership and company leadership. Um, you know, to kind of make some changes to make us a little bit more adaptable and kind of back down on the the knee jerk, you know, reactions to some of the missions. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, th- I think you getting hit because of that article really kind of fo- refocused us in. I don't know, my talking out my ass there, coffee. No, man, I think you're right because we we uh, we kind of changed up. We d- we started doing a lot of like strong pointing. Mm-hmm. I think that actually what we learned from that firefight was that to strong point it on the compound and draw them out to us was so much more effective than just walking through fields and trying to, yeah, you know, trying to get them to come out because uh, we could actually get some elevation. We could get mm-hmm. some, you know, some cover and concealment. And uh, I think because of how that firefight worked out, we we're like, okay, this wasn't bad because we could, we could set up here and set up shop mm-hmm. and let yeah, them the kind of work their way towards us and force them to come to us. And we yeah. started doing a lot more of that, with the exception of throat chop, um, after Perez got hit. Yeah, and that's we still did the usual routine stuff, but how we actually how we discovered um, the the Taliban stronghold that we would go back to at throat chop was basically kind of similar to that. If my memory serves me correctly, mm-hmm. like moving to this village, start taking contact, strong pointed, 
Um, Robbins almost got himself blowed to shit by <laughs> an IED, but low ordered. Uh, but yeah, they just kind of hung out there and draw them, drew them, uh, them dudes to them, and got the Kiowas into it. Actually, I think they did some good work that day. I was in the trucks watching this drama unfold from a couple yeah. hundred meters away, so I didn't really get to do it. Evans would be the right person to talk to about that day. Yeah, Evans, Robbins, uh, okay. I think it was Nance out there too. I think it was second squad. Was yeah, out there, I believe I Nance was out there. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it kind of changed our deployment force after you got hit. I mean, we got. I thought we got better. I thought we, we got did. better at at getting in early and setting up these strong points, like Luke said. I think the firefights got a little bit less risky for us because of the way that we moved and the way that we operated. So yeah, I mean. That's good, dude. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad I helped. <laughs> um, and before before we really wrap this up, I have one really pressing question: the boots. Oh. <laughs> like I want some clarification on why you chose to wear, why you chose to take the boots, how many times you wore the boots, and like just just please like your part of the story of the boots. All right. Have, have we talked about the boots yet? We did in the NINS okay. episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, apparently, my boots were wet. Something was wrong with my pairs of boots. Yeah. I wanted to go to the defect. I didn't want to wear wet boots. Clark had these boots. They were brand new. They belonged to boys. Mm-hmm. Boys. And, you know, this this was before the the, the boots were a thing. You know, no, no, they were already a thing because we wouldn't touch them. Oh, well, <laughs> I guess I didn't know. <laughs> no, 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 you knew. Do you not remember us saying, don't take the boots? And what your response was when we said those boots are bad juju? <laughs> I don't believe in bad juju. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you took them anyway. Oh, man. And you took and them in. How anyway. long? I need, how many hours was it until you got shot? Were you wearing the boots when you got shot? No, no you I wore the boots to the defect and back, and took them off as soon as I got back to the. Because you know, you you, I, I think it's we couldn't wear PTs. Yeah. To the defect, or it was oh, some weird yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had to wear boots for some asshole. reason. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I I just decided to wear those boots because mine were wet. One one time. <laughs> one time, and I wore them for like uh. ten minutes. Wow. And then you got they got the bad juju came back and bit you in the ass, yeah. figuratively speaking. Well, and oh, it's man. interesting like we we were talking about this last night <laughs> and proximity and duration within the boots had an effect on your situation. So like Boyce ordered the boots, he was very involved in the boots because they were his boots, his money paid for them. So he got shot in the pelvis. Um but you know, he's fine. Um Eric wore them around a lot. He was breaking them in on the base, you know. He and so he wore them a good bit. You know, he got his leg blown off. You wore them once and you got shot. I touched him with a broom handle, and my backpack got shot. And I didn't make that connection until last night. Until Eric, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Yeah. about that. (laughs) So, just a couple, just a few weeks later, like three weeks later, your backpack gets shot up. Yeah. So. I, I always thought that the burning of the boots was the end of the boot story, but maybe, maybe just that residual juju, yeah, was still there. Was still there, and maybe that backpack getting shot was the final, the f- 
the final say the of final, the bad juju boots. The final say of the bad juju boots. And like our yeah. listeners who expected you know all of our episodes to be super super somber and very sincere and human like i apologize but the superstition behind the boots is just glorious and we're not, <laughs> yeah. we're, i'm not going to shy around from talking about that <laughs> no oh it's a deeply superstitious world to begin with yeah and then you you put us in such crazy circumstances obviously the superstition's going to just go through the just, roof yeah absolutely I mean, yeah. Miguel, you you were very much. Oh, I don't believe in that. Like, and you meant yeah. that. You weren't just being and facetious. yeah. I I remember. I clearly remember. You guys remember that that ladder that was leaning always on the side of the schoolhouse by the fucking company uh, uh, briefing room. Yep. Mm-hmm. I would always yeah. walk under it every single fucking time because I was I was like, oh, nothing's gonna happen to me. <laughs> mm. To our our young eleven Bravos listening, it's real. <laughs> It's real. There's it's something real. out there. There's something, <laughs> something. out there. If if you're religious, that's fine. If you're not religious, that's fine there's too. There's some randomness. There, there, just know that there's a little bit of order to the randomness, and I don't know exactly yeah. what it is. But if everyone else is knocking on a piece of wood, you need to knock on it too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think one of the things for me and Curtis uh, Perez is that when for like we we came back we burned the boots but you know in that short amount of time two of our roommates have gotten wounded so when we came back from that mission where you got hit i think have we inherited piper yet no not yet no yeah that was yeah so me and curtis i mean we got back and it was like shit man that room felt really empty without you dudes there and like your shit was still there like me and him me, me and him packed your clark stuff up you know and then Two a week later, we were packing your stuff up, and I remember like looking up, seeing your Taylor Swift paraphernalia and <laughs> all that stuff, and uh, yeah. it was a weird moment for us because like, man, like yeah. our numbers are dwindling here, you know. And it was all the way up on that deployment. I don't think I was ever alone in that room ever. Yeah. You know, there's always somebody else in the room, or you're in transit or whatever. But I remember distinctly after you got shot, finding myself alone in that room. Mm-hmm. And it just being, it really, really tripped me out. Like, it yeah. was like, yeah. I cannot be alone in this room. Like, any other room, whatever. But, like, I cannot be alone in this room. And, you know, I think, Luke, you had the same experience that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, we were like, we have to get somebody else in this room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because our paths up. didn't cross. Like, I was gone doing something, and then you were there. And then yeah. you had left, and I came in, and it was empty. And I just remember, like, sitting at in front of my bunk and looking up at Perez's bunk and just being like fuck man like this sucks like yeah. we're losing our buddies you know left and right and uh it just felt weird so yeah, it was it's good to get piper's uh unrelenting humorousness in the into the mix there yeah that was it definitely kept the room a little bit lighter for sure um and to our listeners i think you know i've, I've shown a brief tour of our room before but I'll, I'll put it up here again you know we we had four to five guys in that room at a, at a given time i think the most we ever had was five uh, but mm-hmm. uh, then it was four because that was our team. You know, it was Luke, me, Clark, Perez with our squad leader was Tom Evans. Um, or no, he was our team, team leader at that point. Team, yeah, he was yeah. our team leader at that point. Um, so when we lost two people on our team in the span of a week, just ah, it, was, it was just wild to, to basically empty out that room. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm. 
I am glad that we we got a lighthearted and fun guy like like Matt in there to yeah to kind of yeah, break it up a little bit. But even just, even if he was the worst person in the world, just to never be alone there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. With the fucking <clears throat> with the microwave and the snack. We, by the end, we had a pretty good setup in there with the yeah, microwave, and we had a TV and, and an Xbox. Yeah. We had the giant box of food from all the care packages. Um, it was it was a good one. Yeah, we had a, we had a, we had a pretty good. So Miguel, uh, one of the things that we do at the end of every episode is we give everybody a chance to just say if there's anything we didn't cover or anything you want to talk about or any anything you just want to mention. You know, now's your time that we've maybe forgotten about or or maybe not giving you the amount of time you want to talk about it. No. <laughs> no, I don't. Then I have a I have a quick question for you. Then that, that's yeah. that second day we took contact. Did you get pinned down on that hill? The second contact that we ever took for the whole deployment. Outside, yes. Outside of Jared Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was. Uh, I, I think it was. I think you mm-hmm. had just left the hill. Right. And. I literally just got up and, yeah, I started getting shot at. I was like, "Oh fuck!" Did turned around, hit fired, and ran to the wall. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's that's the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I trying to remember who it was, and I was I was like ninety nine percent sure it was you. Yeah, so no, I, it was yeah. me. Yeah, I think that was your first true Juan Rambo moment. You know, I think it was. Yeah. Because I think in the first firefight you had an M4, you didn't have the. Did you have the saw in the first firefight? My when I got my CIB. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I had a saw. Yeah, because I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, I distinctly remember uh, Roy Ball's dog, like, like two inches away from my face, just going fucking crazy. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, "Am I okay to fucking keep shooting this thing?" He was like, "No, dude, fucking go at it. Yeah. I'll fucking I'm a, I'm gonna hold the dog." <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I have a uh, permanent memento from the Juan Rambo days. You know that? Do you know that, Miguel? Oh. <laughs> The, the brass, the hot brass. Yeah. Oh, that got stuck in your. <laughs> you can't see it from my beard, but there's just a little faintest of scars on my cheek because it was we were pushing in. It was the day we got um, Najib. Najib. Yeah, and we got hit on the way out, and I was hit prone. I was shooting back at the tree line, and then here comes Juan Rambo on it took a knee and just let rip all probably all hundred rounds out of that drum, and. uh <laughs> But you had you hadn't come far enough up that you were like parallel with me. You were kind of like so the 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 muzzle of the saw was basically right next to my left ear, about a <laughs> foot away. So I was just, getting, just getting all getting the pressure fucking, from that saw. <laughs> yeah, and I always tell people like, <clears throat> you know, you've lost some hearing when you know you expect that kind of like that ringing, but when it goes, boom. That's when you know you lost some hearing right there. (laughs) And I just remember my ears just getting like blown out. And I was trying to shoot. And then 
somebody else came up on the right and they were doing the same thing. And so I was getting this cacophony of muzzle pressure, just like squishing my head in. And I, I literally, I just, I was like, okay, I'm not doing anything here. I put my weapon down and stuck my fingers in my ears until the, until you were done shooting. <laughs> and thanks to you, taking- I can't hear as well out of my left ear. I have to turn my right ear to people whenever I can't hear yeah. them talk. Well, I, I think it's fair to say that you were perfectly suited to carry the saw. You are the finest saw gunner I ever had the pleasure of working with. And (laughs) you should never be allowed to touch a mine detector, ever. (laughs) (laughs) But, and another thing is, you know, you you knew the saw, you you knew it well, you knew how to use it, and one mustn't forget that nobody puts baby in a corner. Nobody puts baby in a corner. All right, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, we we fun, really, guys. really, really appreciate you uh, you coming out, uh, flying all the way up to Alaska, hanging out with us. Yeah, thanks um, for having me, dude. Dude, it's it's a pleasure. We're we're so happy that we get to to reconnect with everybody and get everybody either in the studio or on online or whatnot. But we really yeah. appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Appreciate you. For those of you listening on one of the many podcast channels. We wanted to conclude this episode with a slight clarification uh, whenever it comes to the discussion about the New York Times article uh, earlier in the episode. The New York Times article did say that the young boy um, had been murdered and decapitated, uh, but that his body had been recovered on the side of a road um, and that the family was too scared to go into Panjway in general to recover his body. Um, So the article did say that the body had been recovered. The family had not buried it yet, uh, but there was no mention in the article about a marijuana field. Um, The marijuana field, we think, was uh, added to the story when we went down to Big Reggae and when we got the -the on-the-ground intelligence that the the, the kid was in in a marijuana field. So we just wanted to clarify, um, we did post the story on the video version of the podcast, there's a link to the story in the description if you'd like to check it out. But, you know, we're not above getting things a little bit wrong. Our memories aren't always perfect. And we wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, we were transparent about what actually happened. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.